Hello and welcome back to the Cloister Bell podcast, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Rob and Liam. This week we are reviewing Praxius. And I'm joined by my fantastic co-host Rob. How's it going, Rob? Not bad, thanks. Good, good, good. Another midweek recording. <laughs> yeah, another one where it's um, well. I, I mean, we're busy, which we're, we keep on saying in every podcast. But I, I blame Doctor Who being broadcast on a Sunday. It's not on. It's not. It's not conducive to uh, to recording a, a podcast on time. If it, no. Actually, ideally, I think Doctor Who should be broadcast on Friday, just for podcasts. Anyway. Just for us. And maybe we could get an early screening. We, we should go to the premiere. Yeah, actually. Yeah, damn right we should. Um, I'll write some sycophantic uh, letter to Chris Giblin and see how that gets us. Yes, see how that gets us. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, just a warning as ever, this review will contain spoilers, so if you have yet to watch Praxius... Uh, or Praxis, I, I keep on getting that title wrong. <laughs> Praxius, if you're yet to watch it, uh, clear off, watch it, then come back and listen. Um, but uh, for, uh, but to give you enough time to frantic, you know, frantically pra- press that pause button or stop listening to the podcast because you don't want spoilers, we've got a trivia question first, um, where Rob and I prepare a question. We don't know what's going to be asked, um, and then we'll see if we're able to answer it by the end of the podcast. So my question to you, Rob, is which Doctor Who story established that crows once were able to talk to humans, but they eventually ceased this as soon as they discovered humans were no longer capable of intelligent conversation? Okay. <laughs> that I'm going to write it... my answer down now. Okay. Um, my question to you is mm-hmm. what fictional beings... Did the master mistake for rather interesting extraterrestrial life forms? There's two answers to that. <laughs> oh, is there? I know the first. Right, okay, that's a good question. We'll get onto that. So, uh, if you want to see us answer those questions correctly or bumble them as we sometimes have in the past, stick around. But um, now on to uh, Praxius. So. Uh, this week's episode, Doctor Who meets Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and shows Orphan 55 how you handle an environmental message. Anyway, across, <laughs> across Peru, Madagascar and Hong Kong, the Doctor and friends face a deadly global threat, an alien pathogen that is drawn and binds itself to microplastics, which threatens all life on Earth, with birds becoming violent, with the pathogen itself causing victims to become overcome and disintegrate. A cure must be found in quick and somehow spread in time over the entire planet. So, uh, just go quickly into the cast and crew. Uh, Jodie Whittaker obviously plays the Doctor, um, as we should know by this point. Uh, Bradley Walsh, Walsh plays Graham O'Brien. Tosin Cole plays Ryan Sinclair. Mandip Gill plays Yasmin Khan. Uh, Warren Brown plays Jack Willis. Warren Brown has appeared in a number of Big Finish audio adventures, including a Colin Bacon and Sylvester McCoy story, as well as the unit spin-offs. Yes. Uh, Matthew McNulty uh, plays Adam Lang. 
uh, Joanna Borgia plays Gabriella Camera or Camera, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, this is going to be good. Uh, Molly Harris plays Suki Chang. Uh, Gabriella Toloi plays Jamela Velez. Um, Sue Druid plays Joyce. Tristan DeBeer plays Zach Olson. Um, and the writers, uh, Chris Chibnall um, and Pete McTeague. With War Pete having written uh, previous seasons, Kablam, and he also Ooh. writes the booklet uh, which accompanies the, the the collection Blu-ray box sets. Uh, the direct- of the modern era of the so- the of the classic era. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, oh, really. Yeah, yeah. He does, and uh, the great ad that he writes them uh, really rather well, and it covers you know the, se- the series as a whole, as well as a. Uh, um, production history of the stories themselves and how they were received uh, during um, original broadcast. They're, they're really well written. He does a great job. Um, the director was Jamie Magnus Stone, who has directed several episodes for this current series. And the cinematographer um, was Catherine Goldschmidt, who had worked on Spyfall Part 1 and Fugitive of the Jadoon. So now we've got that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> I feel it's a, like... It sounds like a very interesting premise for an episode. Yep, it does. But was it? Mm. <laughs> but was it, Rob? Well, it was quite a cool build-up. Obviously, everyone's kind of separated, mm-hmm. doing their own thing, and these seemingly unrelated events or characters start to come together. It was quite. So it was quite a good introduction. Yeah, I thought. It was, in fact, uh, I thought it was an excellent introduction because, um, as you say, we begin the episode with all these different things happening, and they all. Uh, eventually tie in together. So we begin the episode with an astronaut in a malfunctioning shuttle um, and then we're quickly introduced to a suspended police officer and then after that we're quickly introduced to a pair of travel video bloggers uh, before we even come to the, the Doctor and the, the TARDIS crew. Um, so there's Very a, unrelated events, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's sort of intriguing but they're all very uh, you know the, the setup really well, and I think not only is it um, written very well, and I think performed well, and directed well. I think the editing was really rather good. So mm-hmm. we begin with uh, the astronaut in a malfunctioning shuttle, which is um, about to crash land on Earth, and then just as it looks like it's you know about to crash, we then quick edit to a man being pushed into uh, water bottles in a I think what looks uh, either a corner shop or a supermarket, being chased by. Um, uh, the suspended police officer. I thought that was a really good edit, the way that that was done. Um, and we, we yeah, uh, so we find out that that suspended police officer is uh, the character Jake Willis, and he seems to be someone who, um, th- there's something going on there that he needs to get his life uh, back together again. You know, it's uh, things are a bit loose. Um, and somehow he is related to um, to the astronaut, uh, but before them, we've got the, 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 the travel video bloggers and they come across what is supposed to be this really beautiful lake. Um, but the lake is it's bone dry and there's just a, a lot of um, garbage. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, plastic and uh, yeah, it just seems to be used as a, being used as a dumping ground. But I thought at this point that it was clear that the episode was going to, to deal with in some fashion, uh, environmental concerns again. But the um, 
but at this this dumping ground, there is also a, an awful lot of birds circling around, and it's all very ominous yeah. and a bit creepy. Uh, and then later, one of the video bloggers, um, she gets mauled to death by them, really, and just disappears. Mm-hmm. So that establishes um, the threat. So we've got this mystery of, well, we've got the astronaut, the police officer, Jake, these video bloggers. You know, How is this all going to tie in? Uh, so we've got that mystery there. And then we've got uh, this threat. Well, the birds are attacking people. Um, which, which obviously, the, the obvious comparison is Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Um, but that, mm. that's no bad thing. It's a great movie. Uh, and I thought this was handled really rather well. Um, and then things slowly start to piece together. So not only do, do we have these things, I mean, one of the things that I thought was really rather good about this was that the companions are split up and each is given a role to play. So mm. uh, we have Ryan with the blogger Gabriella, um, Graham and Yaz look for the missing astronaut Adam Lang, uh, and they're joined by, it later transpires, um, Adam's husband Jake, who was the police officer before, uh, yeah, and then finally we get the Doctor at the end. So it's. Um... I mean, I thought this uh, we we'll learned all... that that we we'll learned that um, the astronaut is his husband. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's curious that he didn't get a phone call. You'd think he would have been like his next next of kin. Yeah, that's true. But then I think the way that it's, it's sort of written was that you know the the, the, the uh, they were or they are married, but uh, the relationship was on the rocks a bit. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe Adam didn't pass on um, Jake's contact details to the HR department. Oh, f- Possibly, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, he because he, uh, Jake finds it um, f- finds out that um, Adam is missing via the news. Um, yeah, and I know that that you know that's a case in in, in reality. You know, when someone's loved one has gone missing, that you know the, um, they've been informed by the news. I mean, that must be awful. Um, mm. But he not only, so as soon as he's been confronted by this and he's trying to process the news, he then receives a text message, um, seemingly from Adam, telling him to to find him, and this is coming from Hong Kong. Um, so that's how he ends up going to Hong Kong, and that's when he encounters Graham and Yaz, because they've come across this uh, building which is given strange energy emissions. Um, so. We're starting to, so that's why they're there. So, um, so why, what, you know, why is Adam being kidnapped? Why is he being held there? Who who sent Adam mm. the text? You know, there's all this going on, and then finally we're introduced to the Doctor, who's running across a beach. Um, there's a washed-up um, Navy officer uh, who was in a, a cap- uh, who was in a submarine, which has just uh, suddenly went off the grid. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you think all this was uh, was transpiring and how it was all coming together? Well, the fact that um, there were there was few tangible links between these events mm-hmm. that was, that kind of made it quite interesting. Yeah, it's all yeah. Part of the mystery, and it really shows off the strength of having a bigger TARDIS crew, because you you tend to think well, there was always a concern that it would be overcrowded, and um, there wouldn't be enough screen time for each character. Mm-hmm. But um, all these different dynamics, then we we never grow tired of them, do we? No, no, that's true. And I think, uh, yeah, you are right. There was always that concern, and arguably, that concern was was 
you know, was sort of validated, if you like, with the previous series. Because one thing that we, and of course a lot of people have picked up on yet, that was there would be certain stories where one, one companion would be pretty much sidelined. It tended to be Yao's, unfortunately. Um, mm. But there's something, there seems to be... Um, the writing on the whole in this series seems to have addressed that. Um, everyone seems to have had, you know, their fair share of the action, and this this episode, arguably more than the others, uh, really allows for that. Everyone has their fair share, and it all sort of comes together. I thought it was handled really well. So before we said, you know, we, we had uh, the birds attacking people, and that established the threat. But then we have this other threat, um, again, which doesn't seem to be linked directly obviously this is uh, this is slowly uh, revealed as the episode goes along but this washed up uh, navy officer he seems to have what looks like um shells uh, or this this hardened thing start to envelop his entire body so now we've got body horror introduced to this thing he's completely overcome and then he and then he disintegrates uh I mean, that's quite horrific. Um, and in the past, uh, the show has done body horror quite well, uh, but arguably not for, for quite a while, not for a long time. And I thought the way that uh, this thing that was designed and the makeup and everything was, was very effective. It looked terrifying, didn't it? Yes, it did. We didn't really know the naval officer, but mm-hmm. um, it was quite a quite a horrific moment. So when it comes to the... Um, the, the vlogger dying in front of her friend, um, that's obviously quite impactful on her. Yeah, yeah. Um, though how she deals with that, um, it kind of gets forgotten about by the end of the episode, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, surely, yes, it does, yeah. Surely she's she's going to be implicated. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden she's um, backpacking with her vlogger friend yeah um they're quite famous you know they've got this like don't you know who i am kind of attitude <laughs> yeah which was this running joke in the episode which i thought was quite quite effective with with gabriella yeah. going surely you know who we are you know what um what did she name them again the two who some, not the two who travel but it was something along those lines wasn't it something like that yeah yeah i forgot what it was. and then she decides to just continue traveling at the end like uh, like our viewers are gonna like think something's going on <laughs> <laughs> Why is she not grieving? <laughs> yeah, I mean that was one thing. I think, um, I mean, funny enough, it didn't. It I didn't cotton on to it uh, until I was until a little while after the episode because when I was watching the episode, I was just um, going along for the ride. But it wasn't until afterwards mm-hmm. I went, well, hang on, because it, it's actually said she was friends with her for for five years. She suddenly, yeah. you know, she's disappeared. It's obvious through events in the episode that she died. Um, but she doesn't seem to be that. <laughs> she doesn't seem to be that bothered by it. I was just thinking, mm, hang on. So I think, yeah, I think that's one aspect of of um, the episode which was a bit, uh, which was a bit off. One of few moments, I think. Though. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's just. Is it, well, do you want to talk about those now, or are we holding off? Well, is there a few moments in this that you didn't like, or that didn't quite add up? Uh, well, to. We'll discuss that. Later. We'll discuss that later on. Um, okay. But but, uh, but for the moment, I think at this point in the in the episode of what, what we were saying, so we're getting all these things established, uh, and I think mm. it's uh, I thought it was, it, it's superb. Um, and then just as we think, well, 
this is Doctor Who does the birds. Then there's this other thing that's that, that's introduced and go, and it's really horrific. And I think a lot of younger viewers uh, would have been quite terrified seeing this person completely uh, enveloped by this thing. Uh, and because uh, the actor who who uh, unfortunately I haven't gotten his name, but the the actor who plays the Navy officer. He plays it really well. You see the pain and the agony this man's going through, as well as mm-hmm. the way that the makeup and the, the special effect is all done is, is excellent. And then he's just gone, just evaporated in a, in a cloud of dust. Um, and then, of course- yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty seamless because, of course, the, the prosthetic piece on the hand yeah. um, was a practical element, mm-hmm. a practical effect. And that blends well with um, how it progresses, doesn't it? So on yeah. Ca- on screen, yeah, it looks quite believable. Oh yeah, yeah, very much so. Seamless. Yeah, yeah. I've got to command uh, commend the uh, uh, the makers of that show uh, for everyone that was involved. I mean, throughout the entire thing, because there's a lot of things that are impressive with the uh, with this episode, but that's certainly one of them. And yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It's that wonderful blend of um, the uh, the real, the tangible that you know you had and um, the makeup and. CGI special effects, and you're right; it, it was all seamless, and I thought it was, uh, was just was great. It it was one of those effects that didn't take you out of the episode. It was done that well; you actually pulled into it more and go, "God, this is yeah, this is horrific." I think you can say that for the whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you couldn't say that that for the previous series, wasn't there? Like um, a few kind of blatantly CGI things, like that creature that ate everything was it the pork or something. Oh, the um, no, no, not the pug. Uh, the one in this. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what am I thinking of? <laughs> I've no idea. Um, oh, the, uh, yes, I know the the uh, the Sonango conundrum or whatever. Yeah. Uh, oh, what what the hell's that thing called? The pating. Oh, uh, uh, yes, the pug are those little bird things that uh, Chewbacca eats. Ah, but now that you've mentioned it, I, I can see why you've got the two mixed up. They do look quite similar. Ah, oh, those things are adorable. That was, that was one of the things that I liked about that um, about that film. They were, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, they were lovely. Just to clarify, we can't talk about um, the Rise of Skywalker on this podcast because I haven't seen it yet. That's all right. Neither have I. Okay. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it got. I. I mean, I'm not a massive Star Wars fan. I. I enjoy them. I. You know. I'll quite happily watch them. Um, mm. But I'd completely forgot that film was released. Uh, yeah. it, it completely passed me by. I will get around to watching it at oh. some point. Well, I have tried to watch it. Um, obviously, it came out before Christmas, but I'm not the kind of person who goes to the cinema like as a Christmas tradition. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, I'll wait till after Christmas. It's Star Wars. It's going to be on for ages. Um, and then you know, after Christmas, it's quite hot. it was quite hard to go. These past two weeks, I've been trying to go. Pretty much every day I'm looking. And there's like literally a 12.40 in the afternoon show on every day in 2D. That's like all that's left. <laughs> but it's still at the cinema. Um, still at the cinema, one show in the afternoon. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to go. I was hoping to go tomorrow, but I won't be able to make it. Uh-huh. So I'm hoping for next week might free up. <laughs> if it's on for another week. Yeah. No, but to be perfectly honest, I'm really surprised that uh, even though it's just this this one showing at uh, in the afternoon, I'm still surprised it's at the cinema. I mean, I appreciate it's Star mm. Wars, but that thing, you know, when we were growing up in the 90s, um, I think it was the last time, you know, where a movie would be released and you would have months to see it. Yes. Uh, because those um, days are long gone. Oh, yes. Um, 
these days it it depends on the performance and it can just get pulled um yeah all of a sudden can't they i mean it wasn't a it wasn't a particularly big film but um the second x-files movie there was this big long gap um after season nine of the show um and then suddenly an x-files movie came out in 2009 i think all right okay um and I thought, right, I, I'm not. I'm, I thought I'm not going to go right now. I'll go on my birthday, which is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I thought surely the movie's going to be on in two weeks. Yeah. But um, the critical reception for the movie was like so bad, and then it just got pulled. Like, oh. in, like a week, a week and a half, an X Files movie. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey, that's didn't know it was that. But right, okay, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it used to be the case that, um, and this was before you even had multiplexes, so you would have cinemas with maybe. Um, four or five screens and that'd be it but when a movie was released regardless of whether it was seen as you know if it was crap or something there would still be a comfortable window to to go and see that movie um but yeah things were just a lot slower so you would have like months to see it and then once it was at the cinema you would then have to make wait a year a year and a half before it was Mm. released on home entertainment and then if you were lucky, it might get a TV premiere in two, three years after that. So, but yeah, everything's a lot quicker these days. I think where um, where habits of going to the cinema have changed a lot. Like yeah. when I was a kid, we just randomly have a little walk along with the Warner Brothers, see what was on, mm-hmm. <laughs> wait for it to start, and then you know. But now it's like I only go when there's something I really want to see. And you, yeah. you plan ahead. You know you you can look, you can look, you can check the schedules. Yes. Just a few years ago, before we had um, smartphones and stuff like that, I would actually ring up the Odeon and listen to the automated schedule, see what was on. Oh bloody hell! No, I, I tried that once, and it was just a painful experience. It was so slow. I was like, oh, yeah. sod this. But no, I think yeah. uh, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is because, uh, in terms of viewing habits, because you're right. You know, you, you used to just go. Uh, I just fancy going to the cinema and you would just rock up and go, uh, blah, 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 I'll watch that film. Because usually there would tend to be something that uh, you would be interested in. You go, yeah, that mm. seems decent and, and you would go and watch it. And it wouldn't break the bank. I think now, I think, well, well, personally, I'd, uh, there's very few movies that are released which interest me enough to go to the cinema unlike mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, and then also the thing that everyone comments on is that it's really expensive to go to the cinema now yes you'll pay just as much if not more on the food and when you start begin to understand why that is yeah the cinemas make the profits exclusively from the food yes yeah yeah, yeah. um so once you um if you appreciate the cinema then you have to appreciate the price of the charge i guess if you, if you want it to be like sustainable oh yeah yeah I, I get that but it's it's also funny as well because the other thing is even though you've got uh, multiplex cinemas so you've got more screens than you had when we were growing up in the early to mid 90s even though multiplexes were starting to become a thing uh, mm. but now you know you can go to the cinema and they might have 12 screens minimum or going up uh, but there's there's less options to see than perhaps in the past. It seems you know because they'll have the same movie shown throughout. You know, yes, every so twenty if, minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if there's there's you know the, the movies that have come out and there's not that many that interest you anyway. There's nothing 
there's nothing to entice you to go to the cinema. I think really, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I, do, I, you know, I do like seeing, you know, the, the big blockbuster movies and so on. I mean, the movie that I'm looking forward to more than any other this year is the next Bond movie, No Time to Die, um, which comes out in April. I'm really, really looking forward to watching that. Um, but other than that, there's, there's nothing else. And I think um, probably it's the art house cinemas. Like in terms of Newcastle, we've got the Tyneside Cinema, which will probably be the one that will entice you. But anyway. <laughs> Blimey, that went on a bit of a tangent. Uh, so yeah. anyway, yeah. Where were we? Um, well, we were talking about um, how good the effects looked, I think, in the series. Oh, yes, and I started talking about Porgs and Star Wars. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So get the names right, otherwise we'll go off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just coincidental, but um, this virus or this um, this pathogen, which yeah. is starting to spread over the continent, it could be um, a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of reminiscent of what's happening now with the coronavirus. I mean, yes, you're right. It's because um, at the moment of recording, that's the that's the big news story. Uh, so th- through accident, uh, Praxius is, is perhaps topical in, yes. in that sense. But that's not the real um, the, the, uh, the story because um, it's this environmental message. Which, yes. Because uh, this pathogen uh, uh, latches onto uh, microplastics um, because plastics... You know, the, the, the world is polluted uh, with a huge abundance of plastic. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's in our water supplies, it's in everything. So uh, pl- yeah, th- w- we digest these microplastics. So because this pathogen has latched onto that and they're everywhere, they're, they're, in, uh, they're in animals. Uh, which, uh, uh, so it's explained that the reason why the birds have become violent is because the enzymes... Um, of the birds are, are fighting this pathogen, uh, um, which is making the birds violent in the first place, um, mm. and then because we are we as humans, you know, we, we've got microplastics through um, through the water that we're drinking and so on. So we've got the pathogen within ourselves, and that's where this you know the, um, people are, you know, becoming over overcome with this thing and then disintegrate. So it all starts to to tie in. Um, and I thought this was, um, you know, it was interesting. Was there a moment in the episode um, before the Doctor mentions it that you thought that this may be the Autons? No, um, I possibly should have thought of that. You clicked on at the beginning of the episode that it could have been about the um, the pollution, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that was going to be relevant? Yeah. Um, well, I thought it was going to be relevant when... They were in the in the lab by the beach, mm-hmm. and there was this microfiltration system that the doctor commented on. Yeah, and that started um, ringing some alarm bells in my mind because I'd been sat in the car listening to the radio early in the week, mm-hmm. and they were talking about um, these companies that are doing these washing machines with the, this microfiltration system to filter out all the plastics. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and. In every square meter of water in the ocean, there's there's um, so many um, microscopic bits of plastic. Mm-hmm. And when we wash our clothes in the washing machine, the plastic obviously gets drained from that 
when it goes through the water treatment, that doesn't filter it. So these there's these new washing machines that have been developed. Um, I think all the main manufacturers aren't quite at the stage of releasing them yet, but these these smaller manufacturers are. The problem is, I think you have to get the filter sent off to them to get cleaned. <laughs> but um, I made that connection because of something I'd heard on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No. no that, that, that's interesting. So it's because uh, obviously this technology would would tend to get mentioned in the you know the, the news every now and again. But it seems to me from what you've just said about about them talking about washing machines, we're on the cusp of it becoming normal. So the issue is with the washing machines that have uh, these pro uh, pro microprocessors is that you, uh, after a while, you know, you have to send them to be cleaned, which is, you know, an inconvenience. Um, although it's important, but you know, it's it's something to deal with. What we're now waiting for is the point where you don't have to do that. So it's mm -hmm. you know that's probably just you know around the corner. So Praxis is a really really topical um, story and. For, for all these reasons so it's really interesting but what is what what is good about it um is that you know it, it talks about this it does it in an entertaining way but um i think the environmental message was handled gracefully yes. um it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't like, in your face it wasn't no and it wasn't it wasn't handled in a cack-handed fashion um I think we all know which episode I have in mind when I say that. You know, it's it's woven into the story. It's part of the narrative. It's not this, um, you know, thankfully we didn't have this moment <laughs> where the Doctor looks directly at the camera and goes, we're all awful, we're doing the environment in, and then a monster goes, yeah. <laughs> Stop using plastics or else, and then you just see someone disintegrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was much more... This will, this will happen to you if you don't <laughs> stop using plastics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because as, as we said when, we, when we're doing the, the podcast for Open 55, I have no problem with Doctor Who tackling these environmental issues. The show has done it uh, you know, on, on many occasions. The Green Death, Invasion of the Dinosaurs are the, the obvious examples. In terms of the abundance of plastic, it's there in the Autons. Spearhead from Space, Terror of the Autons, I would say probably more so. But it has to be... Uh, woven into the, the the narrative, it has to be part of the story. Not, I think Orphan Fifty Five is is a clear example of not how to do it. Praxis is an example of how you do it. It's uh, insane though. Um, three episodes apart, they get it so wrong, then they get it quite right. Yeah, <laughs> astonishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I, I'm pleased actually because the, I mean, the message that they were trying to convey in Orphan Fifty Five. You know, it's fine. It's just like, but you've got to do, you've got to do it better. And, I, and actually, as you said, you're just a few episodes in, and the, and here we are. We're presented with how to how to exactly how you how to do it. Will there be any more? Maybe it's a theme. <laughs> well, it is a little bit because you had Orphan Fifty Five, and then we had um, uh, the Tesla episode, mm -hmm. uh, where it, you could argue that it's it's in there in the sense that Tesla is trying to harness uh, power through. Uh, through waterfall, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so you could argue that it's touched upon loosely in that sense. Uh, and then we've got we've got this episode. In fact, one thing. Do you remember when we were reviewing series eleven? There seemed to be this thing about um, people using teleport teleport devices and popping off <laughs> to the point where it was so noticeable. I was wondering if it was if it was going to be some sort of theme in the series, <laughs> right. uh, where you know the. You know, you know when you've got um, 
got Tim Shaw who just seems to pop off and who just going well is he oh, going to yes. come back and of course he mm. did but then we had the villain and Rosa who just seems to teleport and pop off at the end yes. it's, teleportation seems to be a thing in this series as well doesn't it yeah uh, maybe everyone that's vanished maybe they're the alliance Jack was talking about <laughs> ooh mate, yeah maybe maybe it's maybe. all going to be explained because <laughs> um, so uh, earlier on in the episode because we were talking about you know how, how the companions are split up and given a role to play that isn't just in, the, in terms of the introduction that's uh, throughout the entire episode so when the Doctor's trying to find find out what's going on she's giving everyone individual tasks to do yes. so ryan's got to dissect the crow for example and um uh, ryan has to put um sorry uh, graham has to put um adam on a drip you know and mm-hmm. all this and then yeah using, using their, old, their own skills yes yeah yeah so, so that was good and that you know so, so again everyone's got their part to play and yaz along with gabriella um they're investigating because uh, earlier on Yaz had come across this um, piece of equipment which seemed to be uh, quite important because when they're looking for Adam Lang earlier they're attacked um, by these people in uh, isolation suits Uh, and then when they've so when Yaz and Gabriella have gone back to get this device because it seems to be important and holds important information um, one of these things in an isolation suit um just teleport somewhere mm-hmm. and then they don't, obviously they don't know where and then they I thought this was handled really well that you know Yaz is doing this thing of going well you know, there's an opportunity to find out a bit more what's going on I was really concerned at this stage for Yaz's safety yeah I was as well it was because uh, I thought you know because they, they were you know they weren't just brashly going into it I mean the atmosphere and the tension had built up Yes. You know, we've got this threat. We don't know what these things are. We don't even know where they're going to go. Um, yeah, yeah. she's been she's been a bit too overconfident. We've recently spoken about perhaps Yasmin could die, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we we'll have on a couple of occasions. Yeah, uh, which would be a bit of a shame because, as we said in series eleven, uh, we've got you know we've got an interesting character there. We've got a great actress playing that part. Um, but it's not utilised, and it's such a shame. But now, finally, with the, with this series, they seem to have corrected that. And just as we're on the, you know, just as we go right, great, we've got a character and the actress and everything's tying it together and being used. Just, uh, just hope that you know. <laughs> oh, great! You've just killed, <laughs> just killed her off. Um, but we'll see. That may not be the case. But that's the sort of feeling that that we're getting. Yeah. Um, and the the guys in the gas mask. Yeah. They were. Um, pretty creepy we didn't know what they were going to look like i mean mm-hmm. of course they were infected but ultimately they were just humanoids weren't they yeah yeah they were but when 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 they when one of them is unmasked they're com- you know they're covered in that completely covered like was there even any eyes there no no there wasn't yeah they're just completely yeah. just enveloped by this thing no wonder uh, they couldn't shoot, shoot anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah true like stormtroopers yeah <laughs> or unit soldiers um <laughs> Yeah, but I th- again, that you know that was effective, but established this there was a difference. Well, they've got to be alien because the different the only difference is, is that when it attacks humans, um, it eventually the human disintegrates. Where this thing is just developed in what looked like I don't know what they were. They, they looked like um, shards of bone and plastic. Uh, uh, God, it looked horrible. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a great design. I just mean it looked terrific, which is obviously the, the overall thing. 
Um, Almost like seashells. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you think the birds were possibly alien? Alien birds? You know, when they're on the beach? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. He didn't? No, no, did you? Well, I was I was starting to wonder oh, who's really behind this. Oh, right, okay. Um, but, mind, oh, on the beach, that guy who was watching the birds. Oh, for God's sake, yes. Ridiculous. You'd be watching from the doorway, wouldn't you? Yeah. And when they start getting a bit more crazy, you wouldn't walk further out. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, assu- I mean that was the thing. I think as soon as his character was introduced, you got the sense of, well, he's going to die. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he did. But it was, again, one of those frustrating things of going, oh, for God's sake, really? Yeah, it's, it is frustrating because he's there to keep an eye on the birds because we know the threat. Very obviously, someone has to keep an eye on them. Fine. But you don't have to walk from from the door all the way down to the beach to keep an eye on them. Yeah, I mean, you can see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's an open area. There's there's nothing blocking your view. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sorry. The way he... He deserved to die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Shouldn't be that harsh. But yeah, it was one of those things of going... Um, I think it was needless as well. And this, because this was another thing, because this was another character who died and then everyone just seemed to forget him. Like, everyone. He's not mentioned... Uh, after the episode, no one seems to give a toss, no. um, uh, and he just seems to be a character who's there just to die. But it's pointless because we've already established that these things are a threat. Yeah. Um, through through what we have seen, and then later through pop, plot reveal, um, it does. Maybe it, maybe they needed to reinforce that threat a little bit more because, of course, we had the chase for the birds with the birds later on, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so possibly, but I think, I mean, narratively, it's. I think it's one of those cases where it, um, it, it's, it was obvious what was going on, and I don't think it. I don't think it was needed. But again, yeah. it was sort of as as Gabriella, her friend, had uh, died, and Gabriella just seems to quickly uh, move on and for, for, forget. Um, everyone just seems to forget this bloke. Um, yeah. I think had he um, been overwhelmed by them, um, by surprise, or if he'd been in like they'd flew away and he got into a false sense of security, then all of a sudden they got him. That would have been a bit of a shock. Yes, and actually, I think that probably would have been more effective. Yeah, um, because if they like than... if they like swoop in behind him in a flock or something and get him, you know, maybe he could have wandered off thinking, oh, he walked down the beach thinking, oh, where have they gone? Then yeah. all of a sudden they come, they come at him. That would be better. Yeah, yeah, actually, I think you're right. I think that would have been a lot better rather than us watching it going, oh, for God's sake, this man's a raving idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the pun? Um, even though the crow's not ravens, but anyway. Uh... <laughs> oh, um, the doctor's thinking and she says brains, plural. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the grey makes a reference to that. Um, I just... I That'll not that... stick. <laughs> No, no, I don't think it will. But I thought, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a nice joke. Um, I quite like that. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's strictly canon that the Doctor's now got two brains. But if, if, if she has, fine. But yeah, I thought that was a nice joke. You know, she says that, and then the Doctor, and then Graham picks up on it. I quite like that. It did make me chuckle. Um, so yeah, because uh, the reason why I mentioned the Autons because th- there's a bit where uh, the doc- so the Doctor's uh, cotton on about this that it's uh, this pathogen um, and. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it latches onto plastics. 
And then I remember just going, is it the Autons? And then as soon as I said that, then the Doctor goes, is it the Autons? And she goes, no, it's not. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, which is fine. But uh, I just thought, uh, I was just wondering if it crossed your mind as well. Um, it hadn't, no. <laughs> well, you know, just as well, because it turned out it wasn't. Um, but anyway, what ends up happening, so as you said, that they're all getting by the, uh, chased by these these birds and they all have to, to rush to the TARDIS. Um, so... This is when uh, Gabriella and Yaz have been tele- teleported um, somewhere. Um, we had this character, uh, Suki Cheng, who the Doctor gets on really well with, and Suki seems to be this really brilliant um, scientist. Uh, yeah, but... I love this little revelation that Kanek turned up. Yeah, I thought it was it was really nicely handled because Suki just seemed, you know, this really bubbly, lovely. Um, person and the doctor's getting on really well and they're sort of bouncing ideas off each other it's quite nice to see and then we find out that suki cheng is actually uh, an alien um who was responsible for bringing this pathogen uh to earth in the first place and why didn't we see it coming you know in um, an over-equipped lab yeah 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 and even the doctor kills herself uh, k- not kills herself kicks herself sorry uh even the doctor kicks herself and just going you know i you know i saying you know she, um She's, you know, she's easily impressed by really brilliant scientists and gets on well with them. Um, so yeah, that, that was a really uh, nice reveal. So uh, Suki Chang pops off somewhere. Um, so so when that uh, the base is attacked by all the crows and then everyone has to, to rush back to the TARDIS to join uh, Yaz and Gabriella. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm amazed that no one got scratched on the way. Yes, I did as well. It was something of a miracle because if they got scratched, then they would have... Um, then they would have become infected. Um, so that that was <laughs> they were very lucky. Um, yeah, but it was it, it was I thought quite a, a nice tense moment though. Oh uh, yeah. Um, um, it did bug me when she arrived on the beach. I thought, why is she parked so far away? <laughs> True, but then if the TARDIS is just completely everywhere, you wouldn't get a you wouldn't really get um, a sense of tension and drama and uh, no <laughs> thrilling moments would you just go doesn't matter we're getting attacked the TARDIS is right here <laughs> <laughs> gently stroll over <laughs> uh, or even have time to sidle over to it um but yeah I thought that was a that was a really good tense moment and then they join um Yaz and Gabriella uh, because and I quite like this moment as well because Yaz thought that maybe you know finally she discovered an alien planet all on her own but actually, they're in this sort of environment uh, at the bottom of the Indian Ocean. And she seems to be quite disappointed by that, which I thought was quite a nice character moment. Yeah, it's, it's, like, um, it's like she wants to be validated for being, um, for being more independent. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I quite like that. Um, and this strange environment that they're in, um, that, it turns out this is where Suki Cheng had popped off to. Um and actually, what transpires is that yes, they did bring the pathogen, but it was it it was deliberate, but um, but the way that it just spilled out over the planet was was accidental, because uh, this is something that is affecting her planet, yeah, uh, to the point where it's just ravaged it. Pretty much, her entire species is probably extinct. 
So out of a sense of desperation, they came to Earth as a as sort of the way that the Doctor describes it is as a petri dish and um, to use Earth as a way of trying to find out a way to overcome this mm. this and virus to, may- to maybe try and justify. Like you said, yes, they were desperate. Yeah. Um, and yes, they were a bit careless. Yeah. Um, because it actually, because they crash landed, and then that's how the whole thing spilled out. What it was. They came to Earth to to affect an area in an mm. inc- in a controlled way. I'm not justifying it, but yeah. you know that was they, were, they that... weren't actually doing much bad, were they? When they were when they were um, sorry, I forgot his name. When they were <laughs> when they had the astronaut captive, they were just um, they were just doing experiments, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were keeping him alive. Sinister. Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah th- they were keeping him alive, and they were trying to to, to get him better. Um, but you know, they 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 cocked up. Um, so it's at this point things start to get resolved um, but uh, just as it seems that you know uh, Suki and the Doctor are about to be reconciled um, and both of them come to um, to a means of um, averting a catastrophe Suki then dies mm. uh, she's overcome by this virus but um, but there's a solution did you like the way that uh, the thing was resolved? As the moment went on, I guessed um, someone was going to have to stay in. Did you? Yeah. And of course, yeah. When when they were running away, I guessed it was going to be—is it Adam? No, no. Sorry, uh, d- d- sorry, Jake. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I guessed it was going to be him. You know, he's 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 fine with that choice. You know, he he did feel um, a bit insignificant. In his life, in in place with his partner being an astronaut. Yeah. Well, actually, sorry, because uh, this is something that we've uh, completely glossed over, uh, and that's my fault. I was supposed to mention it. So, um, as we said, you know, Adam was the astronaut, and he disappeared. Um, Jake is somehow uh, involved with him, and it turns out it's because uh, they're uh, they're both married. And because uh, when we're introduced to to Jake, he is the suspended police uh, officer, and he seems to be someone who needs to get his life back on track. Yeah, uh, and I quite liked this actually because I thought this was quite nice character development and uh, and a way of looking at how relationships work. Because as you know, Adam uh, is this astronaut, and yes. all the, the all the brilliance that that entails, and, and Jake isn't. And he feels like he can't measure up to that, and he feels no. He's got self doubt. Yeah, yeah, he's got self doubt, and he's sort of like psychologically beating himself up. And he, he can't understand why why Adam loves him, and it's not be, it's, it's not because of um, you don't love someone because of their accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought this was a, this was a, a good way of uh, looking at relationships, and you know how they're not straightforward, and how you know. Um, people view themselves and and all the rest of it i thought it was really rather a uh, nice uh character development and obviously we see during the course of the episode because uh, there's that wonderful moment between jake and uh graham you know when they're having a chat and jake is you know just you know just going this is you know this is what i'm about this is how i feel uh you know and i'm sort of i'm behaving in this in this way as a means to to getting back at adam for making him you know, making me feel this way and inadequate, and then Graham's basically saying, you know, you know, the only person you're affecting is you. You're torturing yourself, and then, you know, he seems to slowly over the course of the episode from that conversation come out of it and realize his own self worth and the rela- the importance of the relationship between him and Adam. 
I thought it was great. Uh, this is one element of the episode that, that I liked. Um, yes. I, I did believe he was going to die, though, um, because it were, 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 we were at a stage in the episode where we thought Adam was going to die. Yes. And now that's totally reversed. Yeah, because it, 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 yeah, yeah. it did look like Adam was on the verge of death, and that that was the way that the episode was going. And then, as you said, it was reversed. And it was just like, oh, he lives. Yes. But then, because they found, uh, they found a means of finding an antidote to the pathogen and how to um, put that into the Earth's atmosphere so it envelops the entire planet and everything's fine. But even though they try to use the autopilot, the autopilot fails, so there has to be a pilot, and Jake takes on that responsibility. And yeah, it did look like that sort of typical, you know, because sometimes, you know, you get these stories where, um, you know, you have a relationship uh, and it doesn't work out because, you know, one of them has self-doubt and all the rest of it. And then just as it looks like, um, you know, they've overcome that and the relationship's going to get back on track. Oh, one of them dies. And actually, this episode didn't do that. It had, it did have that problem, as we said earlier on, when that guy does that stupid thing of just going, I'm here to reserve the danger and put myself in more danger, obviously just to get himself killed. But I'm so pleased that this element of the story didn't fall onto that cliche that, you know, they do live. uh, Yes. And, you know, that was quite nice and heartwarming at the end. I like that. Oh, just on the the point of self-sacrifice, this is um, a different contrast to how um, Nikola Tesla viewed his... um, the position he was in. Do you remember when I said he had a, a more oh, realistic yes. reaction? Yeah, I just thought I'd point that out. Nikola Tesla was reluctant to sacrifice himself to save the world. Yeah. Uh, and of course, in reality, we would have these feelings, wouldn't we? Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I mean, to, I mean, without having said that, though, I mean, there are people who, you know, when you put them in a very difficult situation, they just um, somehow, you know, come up to the mark. So, yeah, I think the way that... that Yes, Nikola Tesla behaved in a, in a very realistic way, especially with you know what's being put on his shoulders, which was quite nice to see. But then I think the way that Jake um, uh, reacted in the story, I also thought was quite believable, especially yes. because it was part of his character arc and de- or character development, if you like. Yeah, it's like he was happy with the choice he was making mm-hmm. because it was making him um, the person he wanted to be. Yeah, and and uh, take you know taking responsibility because that was a thing, you know um, he wasn't someone who'd really you know he'd been shirking responsibility a bit, so finally you know he's you know um, he's come up to the mark. So now uh, it, he's able to measure measure up to uh, to Adam if you like, and now the now that now they're equal. So Jake is rescued by the by the TARDIS. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, are you not quite happy with that? No, no, absolutely fine. Oh, right. Sorry, earlier on I thought um, I thought you were implying that. <laughs> oh no, no, I, yeah, I, I suppose I was teasing you a bit, but I, I didn't want to um, preempt the conversation. I thought you know we'd finally get rid of it. That's that's the yeah. other thing. But no, no problems with that whatsoever. I think there's always a level of frustration when the Doctor doesn't um, save someone in that kind of situation, like Adric or um, anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is with Adric, because uh, funny enough, I think some fans are going, ha, this just proves the Doctor didn't like Adric, because he could have saved him. Ha, <laughs> Well, anyway, I'm sorry, but if you watch Earthshock, right, it's actually explained, one, the Doctor's finding it difficult to steer the TARDIS because uh, the TARDIS console has just been damaged by the Cybermen. And also, because the freighter that they're trying to latch onto, which Adric is on, 
uh, he's a, it, it keeps on vanishing because it keeps on changing which time it's in. So the doc, so not only is the doctor finding it difficult to steer the TARDIS, but he's also finding it difficult to to find out what time the freighter that Adric is on is in. Yeah. Um, so it's explained narratively that the doctor was completely, in, you know, he was unable to save Adric. Eric Saywood wrote that into the episode. He explained it well. So the doctor wasn't able to to save Adric. I mean, you could yeah, do that whole. Completely thing. agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In other situations, it's a bit frustrating when you think, "Why didn't the doctor just um, do a bit more?" <laughs> um, here's my question: hmm. Who was it that brought it up? Um, can we not save him? Was it Graham or something? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, uh, but so yeah. someone mentioned it, and I was thinking, if no one had mentioned it, would the doctor have bothered? <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious question. No, no, I know what you mean, but I didn't think that at the time. But now that you mentioned it, that is quite a good because uh, it did. It did seem to be a case, that, you know, because you would have thought that the doctor would have just sprang into action and yeah. just did it. But yeah, it was a bit. Yeah, maybe just like, well, that's that then. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we save him? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only someone said, "Can't we save Adric?" <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> May as well. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> God, the Doctor needs pumped on one occasion. But yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think unless... Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, I forgot who asked that question. Um, but yeah, if they didn't say that, yeah. then I think... You've, you've got to be asked to be, be saved. Yeah. <laughs> Shy Ben's getting out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Sorry, what were we going to say? Oh, um, just there's a little quote that I wrote down. The Doctor said to Yasmin... I think she's jinxed it now, by the way. The Doctor said to Yasmin... Look at you going off on your own and not getting killed. Or <laughs> wink, wink to the audience. <laughs> Watch this space. Yeah. yeah. Oh, something's going to happen to Yaz, isn't it? Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, just as we're getting like her, and she's actually got a character now. Um. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it is an odd thing to say. Look at you, just going off on a, going off on a wander and not dying. Why say that? Why doesn't you say that to everyone all the time? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, why it's, why why there and then, and then just looks directly at the camera and goes foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We're maybe completely wrong. It might be just Chibnall just uh, Chris Chibnall winding himself. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> look, look at you still being alive. Maybe someone else is going to die and Yaz is just a bit of a red heron being blindsided. Yeah, maybe, because then whoever whoever dies go and see, you should have done it like Yaz, you daft sod. Now you're dead. Yes. Yaz, <laughs> Yaz doesn't die. I said it. Look at you not getting killed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. It could go either way. So then, um, so then the catastrophe is averted. Everything's hunky-dory. And then... You know, we all say goodbye to um, the guest characters in this episode, Jake, Adam and Gabriella. One thing I've got to say is, I really, really would like those characters to come back, especially Gabriella, because I think they're brilliant. I, I loved Gabriella an awful lot in this episode. I, I, they're probably not, they're probably just one-offs for this episode, but I would really like it for them for them to come back. Yes, um, but how often do I say that when the Doctor meets people and and she's like, well, we'll see you around, you know. 
Never happens, does it? No, no, it doesn't. But I think you know it's it's a, it's a good it's a good sign of the writing, and I think it's a good sign of uh, the actors brought in to play yes. those parts. If you they know. do get their own spin-off, it could be like a a point of view kind of YouTube vlog, couldn't it? Yeah. Oh God, my heart sunk when you said that. I just went going, Oh crap! It's going to be another big finish spin-off, isn't it? No, I want to actually see them perform. Don't listen. Big finish. <laughs> Keep well away. <laughs> another bloody series to buy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on from that, let's let's get on something positive. Um, listeners' responses. Listeners' responses. Yeah. On Instagram, Viking of Vegas said, "Didn't watch it. Not going to either. I can't take any more crying emoji." <laughs> So that's a fantastic response. I'm sorry, I just find that hilarious. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Let's see if Twitter will be any more optimistic. <laughs> probably won't. <laughs> it's Twitter. I mean, considering that comment was from Instagram, that's probably the most, op- <laughs> probably the most optimistic one. <laughs> yeah. oh, I just thought it was a great response. Fantastic. <laughs> I almost want you to read it out again, but anyway. Um, on Twitter, Thomas Meehan said, The first half was great and enjoyable, but when what, who, and why was explained in the second half, the episode fell apart. All right, okay. Um, fair enough. I mean, yeah, because w- when we were reviewing it, we did say that... Uh, I mean, I liked the whole episode. I liked the, the episode as a whole, although there were certain weaknesses in it. Um, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean the setup was it was you know very well done and it did get you did get yeah you all intrigued. all the beats were just spot on weren't they yeah 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 Bad Wolf sixty six said watching it once was enough for me it was an abomination of climate change propaganda and social engineering hoping episode seven will be somewhat redeemable it's like George Soros co-wrote it with Chibnall so he can enact his own new world order. Can we get back to real sci-fi now? Right. Okay. It's a, it's a, I mean, fair enough. You don't like the episode, and I can I can understand uh, with a lot of uh, popular culture that's coming out how people can feel a bit preached at. There's an awful yes. lot of it, and I think that criticism can be leveled at. Uh, I mean, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> kick it any more than it already has, but like it's done in Orphan Fifty Five. Um, but me personally, I, uh, I disagree with that comment because, uh, I mean, as, we, as we've said in, in the review, um, I think this is a way, to, if you, uh, Praxis is a way, is the right way to, to handle um, environmentalism. Because, uh, yes. you know, there, there are legitimate concerns, there are aspects of environmentalism and, and part, of the, uh, part of the movement, which I do think are, you know, frankly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but there are but there are factors in it which which do have to be considered, and I think actually this episode deals with it quite well. In terms of real science fiction, um, I've always thought that science fiction as a genre was all was always about it being um, quite topical. Yeah. Uh, but what it does is it puts it through this um, this mad sort of entertaining um, filter, uh, and it can be more what it you know it's sort of metaphorical really um yeah i mean it's an interesting comment it's fine uh, oh, yes. but, um, but I, I, I do disagree with it though as ever with doctor who people either passionately love it or passionately hate it and passion's the key word here 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel people don't quite feel it's the formula of the show that um, they've been used to or that they, they would like. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just down to... Te- I mean, because as I've said, uh, Doctor Who in the past, like in the classic series, for example, has touched upon these themes. I mean, I'm just focusing on the environmental thing because obviously this is what the episode is about and this is what the uh, the comment I'm responding to was talking about. You know, it's in episodes like, you know, The Green Death and it's in things like Terror of the Autons to a certain extent. And maybe it's just a case of the feel that those stories handle it in a much more you know in a, in a much better way i mean because what is interesting with the the season 26 uh blu-ray box set that's come out uh, one of the special features the writer's room where they've got all the writers and uh, andrew cartmel who was the script editor of doctor who then you know they're talking about you know how stories have themes and how the writers have approached them and, and so on and andrew cartmel did say that you know it's all very well you know having these messages but the or themes or whatever but doctor who uh really ought to do them in a much more lyrical fashion Uh, and that's when that's when it works better and i thought that was an interesting comment and i think probably he's right i think uh maybe doctor who is a way of you know exploring themes like science fiction in general but if it does it in a much more lyrical uh, metaphorical way that's when it works better when it's in your face and it's raw and there's no real um, you know, it doesn't have that metaphorical, lyrical quality to it, then maybe that's when it doesn't quite work. Um, so, yeah, I can... if it, Yeah, I can see how an episode like Praxis might rub you off the wrong way if you think, well, it's it's Doctor Who not doing it right, if you like. But it's just down to personal taste. I mean, I, I quite like the episode, and I like the way that the theme was handled. On Twitter, Rob Keeley said... Just what we all wanted to see tonight, a Doctor Who about infection, quarantine and death. This series is so grim. As usual, we had a movie's worth of plot crammed into 50 minutes with the usual garbled explanatory dialogue. Can we please get back to fun escapist Doctor Who? We do like the escapism, the fantasy mm-hmm. element of the show, don't we? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can get that because, uh, I mean, not in terms of uh, Doctor Who specifically, but again, this goes down to personal taste. Um, but there are, there are certain things. Like, for example, if you, you, you may know, dear listeners, because it, it has been subtly woven in to previous podcasts, that I'm something of a James Bond fan. Um, you know, and I do like the Daniel Craig movies, and I do like, uh, I do like, and my preference does seem to be for when the, the, the Bond series are more grounded. Like I like my favorite Bond is Timothy Dalton, for example. But there is a part of me that goes, oh, I'd like the Bond series to be a bit more. Now that you know whoever the next actor is going to be, I would like it to be a bit more lighter, and a bit you know have a bit more levity and a bit more humor to it, because I do think there is an element of the James Bond movies being a bit, a bit po-faced a little, and I think it is time for a change. And James Bond is by no means. Um, the only example of that there does seem to be this approachful I mean do you remember when they did Man of Steel the Superman movie a few years back yes I mean it's a super it's Superman you know you're not supposed to be dark and brood it's supposed to you know I don't know anyway the, the wrong approach so I can kind of get that when you when you're a fan of uh, of a series and you feel that mm, it's getting a bit too dark I'd like a bit more levity and a bit more variety so I, I can sort of get that um but bringing it back specifically to Doctor Who, um, yeah, I quite like uh, the current approach because yes, you're right thematically, 
uh, this episode is quite dark, but I think the way that it was executed, uh, I thought, I thought uh, the tone was pitched perfectly. But um... and the last response of the night, Christopher Brett Hall said, "It did the job. It was like a better version of Orphan Fifty Five, not a revolution, not an epic adventure, but a fine and competent one." I thought that. You know, I think that's quite fair. I mean, um, yeah, we ourselves have compared it to Orphan 55 because it's it's two episodes within the same same series that has an environmental message. Uh, so the comparison is you know, is an obvious one. Um, but even now, without even without that comparison, I think Praxius is a is a is a is a good episode and stands up on its own. Um, I think visually in the tone of everything, this is the way I prefer it to be. Um, I don't know if this is a, a fair way to put it, but there's no real kind of hammy acting and daft wit to the show that we that we enjoyed, but that we had maybe in the Russell T. Davis era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I totally agree with that, actually. Uh, in fact, one of the things that um, maybe we should have uh, commented upon uh, in the main um, review of the episode was um, the cinematography and the overall look of the episode, I think, because uh, you're right about the acting. I think the the acting was superb. There was nothing that seemed um, too outlandish just to take you out of it. Even though there's nothing wrong with sort of camp um, acting and overblown stuff, because you know, sometimes we all quite enjoy that. But uh, no, I thought the acting of this was uh, was really well done. I liked all the characters and how the episode was written, uh, and it was sold very well because I thought it was directed and edited well, which I did say earlier. But the cinematography and the use of color is just beautiful. Yeah. Especially um, uh, the the bit that sort of visually sticks in my mind is um, uh, what is supposed to be the external shots of Hong Kong, with all that use of pinks and purples, and how yeah. and the, the, just the look of the TARDIS, even when it's in deep focus in the background, mm-hmm. it just looks brilliant. And um, I never thought I'd find myself saying this, but I think I'd prefer more earthbound stories of Doctor Who now. Yes, I think I agree with you. There was always a bit of frustration, like, um, let's look at Christopher Eccleston's series. Mm-hmm. Even though we did go to space, we never really left the solar system. No, no, they didn't. It was I very think... earthbound, and that, that was a bit frustrating to me. I didn't think so at the time. I, I mean, not forgetting, it, uh, that was the, you know, they were relaunching Doctor Who, uh, and they were yeah. trying to, to have a vast appeal as much as possible, and maybe they thought... And, Maybe it was also a budgetary consideration as well, yes. um, but I think it was a case of trying to be um, to be as grounded and relatable as possible um, before then. Hopefully, the series would be successful, which it proved to be, and then you can go and then you can go into outer space and do you know outlandish yeah. stories. But now we get these like lush locations. We're not running around the Powell Estate every week. No, true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a big difference there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and as I said, yeah, this episode just looked gorgeous. I mean, th- this. Uh, I mean, one of the things about the Jodie Whittaker series as, as a whole, so I'm even including uh, the first series, you know, it's it, it, it's got a certain look which is just, you know, whether you like the episode or not, there's you know there's a good design and there's a good use of cinematography and everything. And these episodes look nice, uh, and it's great when you've got an episode like this, which, in my view, everything just comes together. It, you know. You've got the director in the end, editing, the cinematography, the music, uh, the story, the act, you know, everything comes together and it just 
you know you get uh, an episode as, as good as this so as you as you can see we, we really do appreciate it when uh, you get in contact with us because uh, it gives us um, an idea of what other people think uh, it gives us something to respond to uh, whether you agree with us or not it's still great to, to hear these opinions um, so please get in contact with us uh, we are, you can get in contact with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cloisterbell we're on Twitter at podcastbell Instagram cloister underscore bell and our website which is www.cloisterbell.co.uk um, so please get in contact with us uh, we do uh, we do ap- uh, appreciate it and like hearing all your opinions so just to wrap up as a con- conclusion I think it's safe to say that we we both like this episode yeah Yes, we did. Um, I can hardly fault this. Yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, when I was watching it, because we're about to give our score, when I was watching it, uh, I just, you know, I was completely gripped by it. I really, really enjoyed it. And I was just thinking, oh, this episode's just great. And I was thinking 10 out of 10. Um, afterwards, I'm pleased we're able to calm down and talk about the episode a few days later, because I'm able to, I think, to properly evaluate it a bit. Um and yeah, as you say, I think it's almost the perfect episode. I think the only criticism that I have is, which as we said before, it's when, you know, for example, when Gabriella quickly forgets her friend of five years who has disappeared and been killed. Yeah. Um, she just seems to quickly forget about that. It's commented upon, but quickly brushed over. And yeah. I was just like, mm, you know, the, I, for me, that's the only criticism of the episode. Yeah, death is such a big part of it. Mm-hmm. A big part of Doctor Who. And when it's not dealt with. Um, I mean, it's fair enough to say that the Doctor and the Companions don't deal with death because, of course, they don't. They run away at the end of every story. But for, for those left behind, mm. um, that shouldn't be the case, should it? <laughs> no, no. Um, and I suppose you could actually argue with the TARDIS crew that they may become a bit desensitised because of all the adventures that they're having. When you, you know, when. Would you say the same for the for the extra three characters in the story? They couldn't have became desensitized just from this one story, could they? No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> no, no. To them, it's all new and it's all a bit weird. Yeah. And it's all very dangerous. It's like oh, I've had such a great adventure with you guys today. I'm not even phased that my best friend of five years is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, that's the only criticism I have, which I think. I don't know what it is because everything else I think for me I feel like that should bug me a lot more than it actually does because I think if this was maybe another episode or uh, another thing or movie or whatever that I was watching I think I would really like pick up on and go you know that's pretty bad Um, because you haven't you know you're dealing with these important elements of you know a character's friends just passed away in quite a horrific way and you haven't followed that through but I think because the rest of the episode is really rather well done, and I just mm. can't help but really like it, uh, it doesn't bother me that much. No. Even though I do think it's a legitimate criticism to talk about. So, in terms of a score, what have you given it? Um, I think we might be going down the same route, but um, I'm very contempt with how, how this story was presented mm-hmm. and how the series is in general, apart from... Um, the odd blunder, yeah. um, but I'm gonna give it uh, a, a nine out of ten. All right. Well, we're on the same frame. Uh, yep, yeah, I've given it exactly the same. Nine out of ten. Yep, yeah, same criticisms. Yeah, enjoyed it just as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just before we wrap up, um, we 
at the beginning of the podcast, we asked each asked uh, the other a question. So, Rob, I asked you which Doctor Who story established that crows once were able to talk to humans, but they eventually ceased this as soon as they discovered humans were no longer capable of intelligent conversation. I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't quite place it. I'm just going to go with Face the Raven. Ah, no, but you are right. It is a uh, Peter Capaldi story, but it's not Face the Raven. No, I can sense that it's not. Hold on. Give me a moment. No, that's all right. You're Googling it, aren't you? I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a moment while I Google it. (laughs) No, hold on, hold on, hold on. So it's a Capaldi story. Yeah. But it's not Face the Raven. No, no. I can picture it. What What you're picturing? Are they in a field? Yeah, it's sort of it's 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 an episode which very much is out in the open. Yeah, uh, you're gonna have to tell me, but I don't want you to tell me till I figure <laughs> it out. But go on then, do tell. <laughs> no, no, it's better. it's the Eaters of Light. Uh, I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, I mean, arguably, it is one of the uh, sort of like an obscure, uh, you know, relatively obscure episode. But because I remember when I first watched it, I remember going, "Yeah, it was all right." But I don't know what it is about this episode. It's it's, it's grown on me. Uh, as time's gone on, and I do really like it. Um, and it was written by Rona Munro, who had written Survival. I mean, of the two stories, I do prefer Survival, but there's something about the Eaters of Light I really, yeah. ra- I really rather like. Does that rhyme? But anyway. Yeah. Um, so I asked you a question earlier. What fictional beings did the Master mistake for a rather interesting extraterrestrial life form? <laughs> and you said it could have been could have been two things possibly um yeah. which kind of means you know what it is <laughs> <laughs> the thing is though i've always thought that i don't think that the master genuinely mistook these things as a real alien life form i thought he was just having a joke but no i car- don't agree with you <laughs> <laughs> but i thought the guy he mentions it to just doesn't get the joke and the master's like oh for frick's sake man i'm just pulling your leg right um so, we'll have to agree to disagree there. <laughs> right, okay. I'll do them in reverse order, because I can't okay. quite remember the second time, because it's the second time it happens is obviously a reference to the first time he does this. But I know that um, in The Sound of Drums, he mentions the Teletubbies. Yes. Right. So there's that. But the very first time is when the Master... It's in the Sea Devils, and it's the Clangers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But we disagree. I think it's the master telling a joke, but it's like, no, he, the master, really thinks that the flaggers are. <laughs> don't, don't ruin my childhood, Liam. <laughs> hey, just because I said it doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have been wrong on occasion. <laughs> when you talk to someone who likes time in the Rani, for God's sake. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of Mark of the Ronnie there. Oh, oh. right. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving on. So, uh, yes, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, really enjoyed doing this one. And um, oh, next week's episode is looking really rather interesting. That looks, that looks like it's going to be really creepy. Yeah. There is a trailer and there's a bit of blurb on screen that says two more episodes. And I'm like, wait, what? And then it said, before the two-part finale. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone who wrote that knew what they were doing. <laughs> Only two more before there's two left. 
<laughs> oh, fantastic. I love the marketing department. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look forward to that. Uh, so, um, hope you stick around and tune in next week. Yep, Bye, everyone. See you around. Goodbye. <laughs>